I'm delighted to be joined by our guest today, Wendy Keene. She's the author of an awesome new book called uh, Strategy to Reality. Uh, Tucker, maybe you can put the uh, link up for it. Uh, So it's Strategy to Reality, Making the Impossible Possible for Business Architects, Change Makers, and Strategy Execution Leaders. Uh, Our sponsor today is Spotlight.ai, who's a value intelligence sponsor of sales community. So certainly um, value intelligence, value selling plays into any company in terms of (laughs) not not just their offering, but their product market fit. And obviously their uh, sales side and um, uh, Spotlight AI does a great job with that. And uh, for those that are members of sales community, thank you so much. Uh, If you're not, you can go to salescommunity.com slash winterfree or just go to salescommunity.com and you can see the upper left-hand corner. There's the free link or the link where you can pay to join. Believe it or not, some people still will will pay here and there, but I I recommend the uh, free one and uh, lots of great content in there as well as our prior 109 podcasts. And you can see uh, we're actually scheduled out weekly now for about, I think, 25 months through uh, beginning of March, 2025. So, uh, hopefully I'll still be alive by then. We'll see. Uh, and we have Tucker behind the scenes. So Tucker is always, thanks so much for your, uh, for your help. So uh, I've got some, uh, intro comments as we always do. So from uh, Rick Diana, who's a uh, good friend, sales community advisory board member, and, um, he does a lot, but I call him the, the star talent agent. So Rick says, Wendy is an incredible human being and servant leader with the charm of a Midwesterner, the attitude of a New Yorker, and the stamina of a marathoner. She's the preeminent author of, uh, on business architecture worldwide. Uh, Wendy's numerous and varied testimonials include a bevy of clients, business partners, loyal staff associates, peers, and fans across the globe who attest to her mastery of business architecture. Uh, Her debut business book, Strategy to Reality, hit the streets this past September. Uh, I have one and love it. Uh, The book is one of a kind manifesto designed for business architects, executives, and change makers to embolden their strategy, execution, decision making, and organization and uh, ecosystem design. It describes the why and the what of business architecture and how to build a strategic function and organization. When I first met Wendy and asked her what her short-term goals were, she simply replied for the book to reach every pair of hands it is meant to be in. So that basically means probably anybody in business, you could be in education, anything that almost exists, I guess. Uh, While she loves exploring creative solutions and enjoys the potential of a bestseller in the making, for sure a bestseller in the making, it is also very much within her values to do good every step along the way. So very nice there. From uh, Robert Field, who's the uh, VP of Global Information Technology and Digital Solutions at Presupart, says uh, Wendy's visionary in the world of business architecture, sharing her expertise and applying best practices across all industries. Her approach to strategy implementation has revolutionized the way companies should approach their business objectives, fostering a culture of collaboration that consistently elevates success rates. Beyond her professional accomplishments, Wendy is known for her selflessness and genuine desire to help others without asking for anything in return. It's no wonder she's referred to as the embodiment of generosity and kindness, making her truly one of a kind. Wow. P- pretty amazing there, huh? So I am uh, 
only recently got to know uh, 1D through our mutual friend, Rick, but uh, so, far, so far, so good on all those comments for sure. And uh, really impressive. Um, she's a little close to the vest on uh, some of the customers, but uh, some you know small companies like FedEx, Allianz, GM, VF, VF Corp. So this has helped some you know, real big players, some very senior executive teams that have major strategy groups. So even though they have people that have strategies of full-time, the executive leadership team has strategies as a full-time, they still enable her, uh, her help and her services. She actually is our first guest. She lives in Norway with her husband, Aspiorn. Hopefully I got that right. And uh, besides work, she also enjoys ultra marathoning, mountaineering, and uh, immersion trips, which is not quite vacations, but it's a way of kind of giving giving back and exploring and, and, and helping others. So certainly a fantastic background. So uh, let's jump into the questions here so we can help our audience gain incredible insights from you, Wendy. So um, interestingly enough, you're uh, uh, actually born and grew up in Wisconsin. So you went to University of Wisconsin. You had a biochem degree, but then you ended up going into uh, Icon Information Systems. What happened exactly? <laughs> no, yeah, I am. Uh, yeah, you bet. I'm a very much a, a science person by nature, but I'm have been steeped in business pretty much since I, I stepped out of college. So the real backstory there is I was going to be a veterinarian, uh, which explains the science degree, but decided at the last minute to take a different course. And that's how I ended up at Icon. Interestingly enough, started working as a temp uh, for a very big client, uh, GE. So that's sort of where I cut my teeth in consulting. And actually, Icon ended up making a position for me. They saw potential in me. So that's very much the beginning of my career, and it unfolds from there. Oh, great. Maybe quickly just kind of go through what you did from there. You bet. So after that, um, so actually a, a similar feel from today. Um, we had the dot, dot com sort of burst, so out of work. Now, at that time, you know, sort of drawing on savings, what's going to happen? I'm a pretty new professional. Uh, very young, I pivoted. So I couldn't get a full-time job, so I started working for myself. And uh, one of the clients I was working at what for, for was Doug Hackney, actually one of the, the top data warehousing professionals at that time. So I was in the data warehouse heyday, which is actually interesting because years later, I would sort of unknowingly follow in the footsteps of Doug as creating ideas, being a thought leader, kind of, you know, this new innovation cycle that I've sort of created this, this wave worldwide around. So data warehousing, um, then long story short, I end up working and building a, a business transformation and architecture practice, building it up from the ground to 100 people based in Chicago. And then I left that company in uh, 2017 to form S2E Transformation, which is where I am at today. And the big reason there, even though I sort of left my baby, left this team that I had grown, was to give me the ultimate freedom to be able to serve a global vision and a global community every day in the, the way I saw best best fit. Yeah. That's great, very, very, very impressive. So from, from a high level, your kind of the thesis is, okay, strategy is important, Companies have a hard time figuring out what is a strategy. How can they get that down into kind of some specific micro steps? So maybe kind of start from there in terms of what, what you see as the, the gap and the need. 
Right on. It is because there is a true gap um, between strategy and execution. We see it in statistics that abound still. We see it in gaps in graduate business curriculum. We did a, a study just a, a couple years back to, to actually identify this. So what happens in a lot of organizations worldwide is we have these really great big ideas, but there is a leap and a gap to actually get them into coordinated action across organizational structures, across products, across geographies. And, and part of that is the dynamic of sometimes organizational structures where you have different leaders or teams or parts of the organization that are doing that translation. They're all you know, translating the same idea, but the way they do it is disconnected. So we end up with duplicate solutions, tech debt, fragmented experiences, right? All these sorts of things that, that we don't want to end up with. And questionably, is all, are all these initiatives and solutions actually going to add up to deliver on the strategy it was supposed to? So what I'm really about is what I call clear intent translated into organized efforts. So how do we really make sure strategies and business direction are clear and can be understood at the various levels of the organization? And then how do we use a business blueprint to sort of map out what changes do we need to make so that we can be coordinated on a macro level before we do all the micro level details? Yeah, no, I don't know if you're familiar. We didn't talk about this in our prep, but um, I've had carried with me and I have somewhere <laughs> um, the Harvard Business uh, case study on it's, it's, you know, just simply kind of what is strategy. And what I like is not, you know, that, that's helpful and it's nice, but kind of yours has kind of the building blocks that really helps you kind of get, get in the weeds. So ultimately you can kind of br bring it down to an individual contributor. And I'll, um, there's a few good charts I'll, I'll try and get to here. This is a uh, business architecture domains and key relationships. But if you think about the kind of business ar architecture and strategy, if you can kind of see it here, I mean, a lot of times you might think about, okay, there's maybe, you know, two or three or four kind of swim lanes or things you got to think about. And, you know, here there's, you know, you know, 15, you got the stakeholders, policies, capabilities, strategies, organization, information, products, value streams, initiatives, metrics, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm sure a lot of times just coming in and just kind of defining these different pieces is kind of the probably half the battle, right? It sure is. And defining them and then also defining them across perspectives, across different, you know, people from, from different parts of the organization, because it's sort of the elephant touching pay, parable, right? We, we see different parts of the organization, but we don't necessarily see the whole or understand the whole. So that's the key. And that actually creates a pretty big mindset shift. No, that's great. And then this other one kind of, I think, it gets more in the, 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 the weeds and uh, the elbow grease of it, but the role of business architecture across strategy execution. So maybe you can uh, kind of briefly t touch on that, because to me, I kind of visualize, OK, this this is kind of the working sessions where people break out in functional groups and say, OK, let's kind of define and figure out and assess and you know figure out what we're going to do or not do. So what's a kind of a deeper explanation there? Hundred percent. So, and it's it's a circle, right? Because we're 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 always going around. So, um, it's it's first, you know, defining what we. Oh, I love it. First, defining what we want to do. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so you know, having this blueprint helps people to actually understand sort of the what if scenario, right? What if we do this strategic option or that? What's the butterfly effect? Then, secondly, we're going to architect the changes. That's where the new magic happens. That's where we say, all right, collectively, what's the big stuff we need to harmonize on? 
if this is our strategy or what we want to do, what are the capabilities we want to invest in to actually make that work? Do we have them? How well are they working? Now let's shape the initiatives. That's the next stage. And then we are into solutioning and, um, and actually making sure we measure results. To be really clear, this is not trying to imply that waterfall is the way to go, right? There's a lot of iteration, a lot of flex in there, but it's acknowledging sort of these big chunks of things that we do indeed. And, and there's another point I would say is, you know, the, the, the architecture sort of the, the golden thread, right? Allows us to keep this continual balance and alignment between strategy, the capabilities we're investing in, and the, um, you know, the, the initiatives and solutions, especially if we need to replan what we're doing very quickly. Indeed. Yeah. Now, tell me, I don't know if you can mention by name, but certainly of, of some of the customers, we can mention the FedEx, the Allianz, the GM kind of VF Corp. So you think, okay, they've got these massive groups, they know strategy, they know what they can do, how they can do it. So what is the kind of differentiator with you in terms of what you can do that they can't do or don't do? They are looking for this competitive advantage to better and quicker turn ideas into action. I mean, I think that's actually a magic power, right? Because here's why this is important. Right? Because with the pressure of, first of all, customer transparency and the pressure of constant digital connected global world change coming on the heels of very fresh memories like the pandemic and political unrest, organizations now realize change. We're not we're not transforming and then we're done and then we get to hang out for a decade. Yeah. We have got to build a new muscle to continually get ideas into action and be able to change on a dime. So that's actually when they come to me, that's the ability that they want to have. And my approach is to build it into their own organization and capacity and processes. Right. So I'm I'm only there to outsource and help and guide because this is what they need the ability to do. But it is arguably new competitive advantage, right? Yeah. So it's kind of like a muscle that they may not quite have developed in effect, correct? Indeed. And you know, I say it's, you know, this, this, when you look at the statistics that organizations, especially big ones, they're not, they don't have good success rates at getting ideas into action, but it's almost become like this rock that they have in their shoe. We just get so used to it that we just keep pushing the effort and it, it begins to seem normal. But now, you know, pressure of more change is making people say, all right, listen, we got to do something about this. Yeah. yeah. And do you see that, I'll say the pressure point or the kind of the group pushing it more kind of the uh, board or kind of the CEO or executives or kind of, you know, where do you think um, they kind of, you know, not, you know, I'll say maybe they, they wake up eventually and say, geez, okay, we got to go do something. Fantastic question. I personally see uh, the push coming from strategy and transformation groups, especially. Uh, also some strategic planning, right, as they're trying to organize there. And then also like the CIO, right, the technology leaders, because they're on the other side of this. They also are looking for the business context to try to make sense of all the work and the business priority and, and the ability to, to speak the business language as well to get done what we need to. 
Oh, great. So we have a comment from Daryl. He says, hey, Randy, Rick invited me. Best, Daryl. So uh, good, good reminder for me. So anybody watching along, feel free to comment and uh, more importantly, ask any questions. Uh, Wendy can, yeah, this is probably a, f a full semester or a couple semester course at uh, any, any, any college or university that we're trying to pack, pack into uh, in, in an hour here. So, uh, so for me, I would think you have lots of companies that think they have a strategy but a lot of t all it is is just kind of very kind of short-term tactical items. So how do you kind of force them to kind of take a step back and say, okay, what, you know, what is this? You know, how, how do you take a step back and kind of help formulate that? That is such a key question because it starts there. One of my favorite books is Good Strategy, Bad Strategy by Richard Rumelt, which calls out these sorts of things that, as you're saying, we very much see in practice. And no one really wants to hear, hey, you don't have a strategy or a good strategy, right? Particularly when we're sort of, you know, have taken a while maybe to create some of these ideas. So there's there's a there's a delicacy in how we go about this. Sometimes we can point those things out. Hey, you're giving people three big pillars to try to execute on, and they're all going in a bunch of different directions to do that. Let's let's create more clarity. Or what we can do is you know, all sorts of approaches. Um, the, the, the more political way to do it is to say, here's the ideas we took. Here's how we translated them. Let us play back to you. Here's how we're planning to invest. Here's how we're planning to advance the organization from a capability and technology perspective. Does this make sense to you? And they can either you know, agree or disagree. And I have found over you know, a period of you know, months and years we actually, through those conversations, give feedback back to the leaders and the strategy team where they formulate clearer and clearer strategies and goals and objectives going forward. Yeah. Gotcha. So op opposite from that, you know, the whole kind of uh, vision statement and mission statement, um, and you're, you're always good to disagree, but I'd say kind of half the time, nobody pays attention, nobody cares. But to me, that's almost kind of the first domino, which I would think, <clears throat> okay, the vision is kind of where we are going to aspire to, whatever, five, 10 years down the road, mission or kind of maybe some more things underneath that kind of how do you think, how do you think of those two things? 100 percent. You know, the vision and the mission are the anchors. Right. And where I've seen organizations do really well, like a USAA, which is a really mission driven organization, they start meetings. That mission is so ingrained in their culture and it shows what a solidly grounded you know, company can do. Um, but I agree with you. Those are sort of the, the blocks that we anchor back to. And they're, they're also the things that nobody kind of thinks about on a day-to-day -day basis unless you bring it up. Where things start to change, which is where I focus, is the strategies, the goals, the objectives, the metrics, the, the courses of actions, right? The where we play, how we win. And that's where we spend most of our time because that's where the change is happening. Yeah. yeah. And that's where we need to be really clear. So what um, what percent of time would you say the vision and mission are either a joke or incomplete or, or not used as a broad general statement? Do I, do I have to answer that question? Yeah. In the 90 percent, easily, easily. Crazy. Easily. To me, it's the anomaly, like the USAAs, that really make it part of their DNA. It's Those yeah. are the anomalies. 
Yeah, and even you see it in their TV commercials. I mean, right? I mean, you're you you, you can you just get the feel of kind of what they're about, how they want to do it. You know, not notwithstanding having Gronk for a spokesperson or commercials, but that that helps get the point across, right? Okay, no, we don't want Gronk. We, you know, so uh, hysterical. So, uh, all right. So, Daryl Daryl chimed in here. Thanks, Daryl. Uh, what changes do you recommend that the C-suite undertake to address the new hybrid work culture? Great question, Daryl. Thanks. Great question and a really, really big question too. I think part of what we're realizing worldwide is there is no one size fits all. So I think the first thing is just starting to you know, understand what's our culture uh, and even looking at the population of people that we have in an organization. Even in an organization, people have different jobs, people need to be co-located. Um, so I really think it's just making uh, you know, educated assessments and decisions based on the landscape of the organization, who are the people in it, and most importantly, what are we trying to achieve for the customer and how do we best give people life balance and options and choices, but make sure we're there to serve that customer in the way we need to. 